something to do. Uh, Christmas is fast approaching and um, people are busy shopping for Christmas. And end of year runs here and there. So by the grace of God, next Thursday, we won't be having Bible study. Rather, we'll have a taste of Christmas. We're going to be having our very first ever Christmas carol. It's going to be an evening of worship and a taste of Christmas, a foretaste of Christmas. That service will set us in the tune for Christmas. It'll set us in that Christmas tone. So, um, Make sure you come and then invite your friends. We've invited some choral groups. And then our choir also has been rehearsing very tirelessly. <laughs> so it's going to be an awesome time in the presence of God. Uh, make sure you don't miss it. You're really going to enjoy every bit of it in the presence of the Lord. And our online family also, we invite you to uh, get your friends together to watch the service and share the link with them also, share the link with other people so that they can be part of that service. It's going to be a blessing to everyone in Jesus' name. Tonight, I just want to speak a little bit. I do not intend to take so much time. Just speak a little bit on the gifts of the Spirit. It's very obvious that um, I'll be concluding that sometime in January after the fast. Uh, I think the fast commences on the 6th of January up until about 16th, about 20th of January. We're fasting for 15 days. We do that every year. At the beginning of the year, 15 days, and then at the middle, which is July, 15 days. It's a time we separate ourselves to seek the face of the Lord corporately. Of course, seeking God's face is something you should do personally. Like David said in Psalm 63, verse 1, verses 1 and 2. O Lord, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. So my soul thirsted for thee. My flesh longed for thee. In a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What for? To see thy power and thy glory, even as I've seen you in the sanctuary. So, seeking God is something we should do on a personal basis and on a daily basis, on a regular basis, to seek his face. To ask him for direction. To ask him for what he expects of us. But when we do it corporately, it's a blessing. Corporate anointing is generated. And then you know you are not alone. So, the days when you are feeling tempted to break the fast, when you remember that other people are fasting, that energizes you, encourages you to go on. I'm giving you a long notice now so that um, you, will not, you will not escape. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So, after the fast, by the grace of God, I will wrap up on the two, the remaining two gifts of the Spirit that we haven't dealt with. We've dealt with Seven of them, we've dealt with the gifts that do something. We started with the gifts that reveal something, revelation gifts. 
And of the three of them, the most important is the word of wisdom. We have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Then we moved on to the other gifts, the power gifts, the three gifts that do something. The most important of them is the gift of faith, that is special faith. Next is the working of miracles. And then the last in that category is the gifts of healings. And then we started not too long ago the three gifts that say something. And that's the last group. They are also called utterance gifts or inspiration gifts. Of the three of them, the most important is the gift of prophecy. Then it is followed by diverse kinds of tongues. And then the last bit of it is the interpretation of tongues. So I want to wrap up on prophecy tonight. And then I will introduce diverse kinds of tongues. And then I will take it up properly in January. Finish it up. And then take the last one, which is um, interpretation of tongues. I also intend to teach the fruit of the Spirit. Having taught the gifts of the Spirit, I also intend to teach you the fruit of the Spirit. So you don't just know the gifts. It's important that you also know the fruit of the Spirit. Now, if I may just differentiate them, I can tell you that the fruit of the Spirit helps to build your character. The fruit of the Spirit helps to build you. They are a blessing to you. They bless you. But the gifts of the Spirit turn you into a blessing. It's not about you. If you operate the gift of prophecy, for example, or the word of wisdom, or word of knowledge, is usually about others. Yeah, God can use that to bless you as well. No doubt about that. But often, it's about others. Like somebody you're praying with, or you run into a situation and somebody passes out, and maybe the gift of the working of miracles flows through you, or the gifts of healings flows through you to them, that makes you a blessing. So the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, etc., nine of them, there are also nine, interestingly, build your character. They build your Christian character. And let me say this very quickly. Your character is very important. Developing the proper Christian character is absolutely second to none. It is important. We don't relate to each other by the anointing. We don't relate to each other by gifts. We relate to each other by character. To say good morning. Do you need the gift of faith to, to say good morning to somebody? How about the gift of prophecy for you to just greet somebody? Or to be nice to somebody? Or to be kind to somebody? Do you need the interpretation of tongues? No, come and talk to me. No, you don't. You don't. Now, we relate to one another as a matter of our character. When people lack integrity, it's a fault in their character. It's a mark that there is an error in their character. You know there are people that can never tell you the truth. When they speak like this, it's a lie. And they are church people. They are Christian people. They make promises they never fulfill. They borrow money they don't pay back. They just lie, 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 lie. There's a lack of integrity. That's why these days, it's even difficult to do business in some circles, with certain Christians. In fact, if somebody says he's a pastor, it becomes a suspect already. <laughs> because there are so many, you know, fraudulent pastors. There are so many people that are swindling other people of their hard-earned money. 
So to do business with them is, 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 is a headache. Why? Why do people now prefer to do business with the tablik people that have black spots on their head? Because somehow, they have come to relate to them and they think those ones, when they give you their word, they follow through. When they say this thing costs 20 naira, it's 20 naira. When they say I'm coming at 3 p.m., they come at 3 p.m. But for us Christians, it's not necessarily so. And you see, it's your character sometimes that people would see and they want to follow you to your church. It's your character they see and they want to be your friend. It's your character they see and they want to uh, do business with you. It's your character they see and they want to draw closer to you. And then you share Christ with them and then they give their lives to Christ. The strength of character is very important. That's why the Bible says that a good name is better than silver or gold. What's a good name? Coyote. Because it starts with K. Is that what makes a good name? Or because your name is Cynthia. Start with C. C for Christ. Is that what makes the good name? Anybody can misbehave that bears any name. Names are just names. They're just general. But what makes a name good? It doesn't matter whether it's English or Yoruba or Efik or Hausa or Igbo. It doesn't matter. What makes a name good? The character behind that name. Why is the name of the Lord so exalted? Proverbs 18.10 says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Why is the name so important? Because of the person behind the name. And how come the name is a strong tower? So much so that when the righteous is in trouble, he can run into the name of the Lord and be safe. Because over and over and over again, the Lord has shown himself to be dependable and to be reliable. When you say God is faithful, that's what it means. To be faithful means to be reliable. Many, many Christians are not faithful. They are not. Put them in an office, they act like a crab. God put you there. Represent God. But they are not faithful. They lie too much. People are so self-conceited. People are so, they run their own agenda. They are not faithful. And the Bible says the faithful will abound with many blessings. One of the character traits of God is faithfulness. And that's why you will find it also in the fruit of the spirit. Go to Galatians 5. That's not what I'm teaching tonight. Oh. It's just by the way, you know. I thought I won't speak for long, but... I still won't speak for long. Galatians 5, and go to verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. The one translated faith here is actually faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Okay? The one translated faith here is faithfulness. It's one of the character traits of God. God is faithful. What does that mean? You can count on God when you are in trouble. You can count on God when the times are good and you can count on him when the times are bad. For most people, you know, you and I know, that when you have a lot of money or things are going well with you and you, maybe you have a good job, maybe you are top of your class in the uni, 
You have a lot of friends. They are around you for what they can get from you. Or maybe as a lady, you are beautiful. And you have a lot of guys running after you. They don't care about you. They just want to sleep with you, that's all. They just want to have a taste. And maybe eat, 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 and then dump you and walk away. Alright? But God is not like that. People come to you for what they can get from you. God comes to you for what he can give to you. That's why God is forever faithful. Ever dependable. Ever reliable. The Bible calls him a strong tower. It says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Why is the name of the Lord a strong tower? That we can run into and be safe. Because the one behind the name is a faithful God. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Let me show you a few scriptures. Media, please, you can scroll that very quickly. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He keeps his mercy. He keeps his covenant and mercy with them that love him. You can love him and it builds out on you. You can walk in covenant relationship with him and you need him and he says, no, I'm not available. Mm -mm. He doesn't do that. If you call the governor, he may not be available. If you call the president, he may not be available at the time you're calling you may call your friends and they are not available at the time you need them. But God makes himself available every time. Why? Because he's in a covenant relationship with us. The Bible says God is faithful. The faithful God. Lamentations 3 verses 21 to 23. Very quickly, let's look at it. Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. This I recall to mind, then I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy what? Come on, talk to me, church. Great is thy what? Faithfulness. God is so faithful. His faithfulness is great. It's unmatchable. You can't match it. If you go through the Psalms, loads of them describe God as being faithful. If you come to the epistles, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 9, I believe. Either 1 or 2 Corinthians 10, 9. Is it? Now go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 9. It says the Lord is faithful. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I know there is 10, 13, actually. But no, 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 no. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. Go to 1, 9, please. It's there. It's in 1 Corinthians. Then there's another one, 2 Corinthians. I didn't say 1 Samuel. I said 1 Corinthians. God bless you. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. If you have your Bible, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is what? Go to 2 Corinthians 10, 13. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 13.
Okay, go back to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. Yeah. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Oh, we not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. Did you see there that God is faithful? Can you see that common phrase? From Deuteronomy to Lamentations to all of the Psalms we couldn't read to 1 Corinthians 1, 9, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, let me give you one more. Um, 2 Thessalonians, I mean, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God is what? Come and talk to me. God is what? Go to, let me give you the last one. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 3. I'm not sure I got that right here. Second Thessalonians, actually. Second Thessalonians 3 3. Second Thessalonians 3 3. We just read First Thessalonians now. Second Thessalonians 3 3. But the Lord is what? Faithful. Who shall establish you and keep you from evil. So faithfulness is that's just one of the characters, one of the character traits. And when the Holy Spirit comes into you at the new birth, he births in you the fruit of the Spirit. So if you are born again tonight, you have all the fruit of the Spirit. They are there potentially. But it's another thing for you to harness them, for you to cultivate them and walk in them. It might just lie fallow and dormant, you have to exercise them. Oh God, I really want to be patient. You have to learn to exercise it. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. Potentially, yes, it's there in your spirit. Love is there. Romans 5.5 5 tells us that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But how come many Christians are haters? Have you, have you asked yourself that question? How come that in the church... I'm not saying in our church. I'm just saying in the church, the body of Christ. People don't wish one another well. How come somebody gets, some, gets a promotion in their place of work and another believer in the same local assembly is feeling bitter? How come God blesses maybe one of you with some, uh, uh, with some gifts? Somebody just buys you clothes and shoes and all of that and the next thing you know, gossip is all over town. Now the person is sleeping with you because they bought you clothes and shoes. You know why? Because they wonder, why not them? Why you? Envy, jealousy. Those are works of the flesh. How come it is rife in the body? Because many people are not exercising themselves in the fruit of the spirit. Let me show you something. And then I will go to my little bit of teaching. I will do a little bit of teaching tonight. To wrap up prophecy. Go back to that Galatians 5. Let me show you the works of the flesh. Galatians 5. 
and I'd like you to go to verse 19. And I want us to read it together, and I'd like you to read out loud. Are you there? Okay, it's even on the screen. Let's go. One, two, go. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. One, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, I can't hear you, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, did you see that? Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Did they write this letter to unbelievers? No. He wrote it to believers, to Christians. How did I know? Go to Galatians 1. Let's see the people he originally wrote this letter to. Galatians chapter 1 from verse 1. Paul, an apostle, out of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. He wrote this letter to the brethren, and all the brethren unto the churches. The churches wrote the letter to the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at now verse 6. I marvel that you are, soon removed, you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. They were moved into another gospel, like we have in our generation now. Hypergrace. So you can, can be sleeping with your boyfriend, doesn't matter, God understands. I mean, the body is not wood. Everybody does it at some point. What is important is just, you got to move on, say some confessions, and then continue your life. But we just read in chapter 5, fornication was named as one of the works of the flesh. It's not a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the flesh. And it's said very clearly by the Holy Ghost there that they which do, do, do. They say what to do does not matter. The gospel that tells you that what to do does not matter is a scam. They which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Another kind of gospel. So let's be careful, guys, how we live our lives. I'm going to, by the grace of God, in January, I'll teach on the fruit of the Spirit. And we'll take them one after the other. After he listed the works of the flesh, in verse 22, he now said, But, but shows a change of direction. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first one. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Because it's possible to live in the spirit but not walk in the spirit. He said, if we live there, let's walk there. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. But can I ask you, do people envy today? In the church, do people envy one another? Is that a work of the Holy Spirit? 
What is that? The work of the flesh. Is that a fruit of the spirit? No. It's the work of the flesh. It's important we teach this fruit of the spirit. <laughs> I'll tell you why. If the gifts of the spirit begin to manifest in you, and you don't exercise yourself in the fruit of the spirit, it will soon get to your head. And you become proud. And you think you are something. You think you are the one doing these things. For example, the gift of the working of miracles flows through you. And somebody gets a miracle. Maybe somebody came to church with one leg shorter than the other. And you go by the spirit and you hold the leg. And you command it to come out. In the name of Jesus. And then it comes out. And then it balances with the other one. Wow. Somebody that everybody knew. Usually would walk like this. They were limping. Now they can stand straight. Woo! You know you suddenly become a man of God. Or a woman of God. Of repute. And then you carry yourself. Uh, I did a miracle man. Even pastor has never done that before. <laughs> Glory be to God. I'm very close to Jesus. And then they ask you, what is the secret? You say, well, um, on a good day, I spend six hours in prayer every day. I don't know how many of you do that. Um, I fast three days a week. I know you guys fast once. I fast thrice. Um, at least I spend one hour to listen to God's voice. And I hear him constantly, one hour every day. One hour, nonstop. And then you begin to tell us the things you do, the things you do, the things you do. And then it puts everything on you and brings you to spotlight. <laughs> do you know you can do all those things and then nothing happens? Jesus, I shared this with them in UI last night, never took the credit for all the miracles that happened in his ministry. He never did. In John 14, 10, he said very clearly, Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me. He said, the works, the, the, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. I don't speak my own words. But the Father that dwelleth in me, how? In the form of the Holy Spirit. The Father dwelt in him, in the person of the Holy Spirit. He said he does the works. Every agenda of heaven is carried out in the earth by the Holy Spirit. He's the one in the earth today. The Lord Jesus has returned to the Father. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. Glory be to God. And the Father is on the throne. Amen. But the Holy Ghost is here. He's been here since the day of Pentecost. Working and building the church. So whatever happens through you only happens through you. God can use someone else. So if we teach the gift of the spirit without teaching the fruit of the spirit, there's going to be a, there might be a problem. Because if, for example, you raise the dead, ha! I mean, someone who has died for like 16 hours. I wouldn't know why they would keep such a person in the house for 16 hours anyway. Let's say six hours. Let's even say 16. They will know that this person is, is dead. In being dead, they are dead. And then you come and then you lay hands. Rise up in the name of Jesus. And three gifts go into operation. 
The gift of faith to receive that miracle. The working of miracles to raise them back to life. And the gifts of healings to heal what killed them in the first place. Zah! Man, I mean, the truth be told, in the natural, people would want to come close to you. In fact, you might find people kneeling down before you and asking you to pray for them. Because you just raised the dead. But hey, you didn't raise the dead. <laughs> Who did? The Holy Spirit. Who did? Come on, talk to me. Who did? Are the gifts called the gift of Kayode or the gift of Fred? The gift of Damala? The gift of Falake? What are they called? The gifts of? Are you the Spirit? Is that your name? You're the Holy Spirit? You know, sometimes we defer to some of our friends because they seem to be more spiritual than us. When we have issues, we tend to call them every time to check them out, to check out their opinion, you know, vis-a-vis what we are thinking. But listen, there is no friend of yours that is equal to the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? I've had to tell my wife before, you are not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You know, because I mean, she tries to advise me every time. Why don't you... I learned of a woman of God also in America, a man of God actually, uh, Brother Keith Moore. He used to be with Papa Kenneth Hagin in the Rema Bible School. And he's also gifted in the area of singing, music, but he's a solid preacher. And sometimes when they're going to, they're driving in, this, in the same car as Papa Kenneth Hagin to their meeting. His wife would sit at the back with the wife of Papa Hagin. And she would lean forward and whisper to the husband, tonight, like they're going for a crusade or a meeting, Bible study, sing this song, sing that song. She would give him like two, three songs to sing. This is the Holy Spirit. Now this is when you get to the meeting. You know, women, these are the songs that she likes. And she feels, oh, my husband should sing this song. And then the spirit will move. And she would add, this is the Holy Spirit. Now, Papa Higgin would hear that and laugh and laugh. But he said one day, they were at a meeting, and Papa Higgin was teaching about the Holy Spirit. And he looked at her, and her name is, her name is Phyllis. And Papa Higgin said, Phyllis, and you are not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, only the four of them understood why Papa Higgins said, you are not the Holy Spirit. Because she was always saying to the husband, and this is the Holy Spirit. Such a beautiful woman. Now, I mean, it's better to have that kind of woman than to have a cantankerous one. They'll be giving you problems. You know. So your friend is not the Holy Spirit. Your mom is not the Holy Spirit. Amen? Your dad is not the Holy Spirit. Amen? Your dad is not the Holy Spirit. Is that clear? Because that you're a pastor's son does not mean that um, your dad knows it all. Or you have to ask him things every time. Yeah, you ask him things, but there has to come a time you walk your own journey with God, one-on-one. And I can't give that to you. It's not transferable. It's not transferable. You have to know God for yourself. David said to Solomon, Know thou the Lord. That time must come that you have your own encounter with God. At a particular stage, your faith as a parent can carry your children. 
But if you get to a stage, they need their own faith. That's when the judge shall live by his own faith. Habakkuk 2.4. Amen. Praise God. So your dad is not the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because, you know, children are quick to believe that my daddy knows everything. My dad is like the Holy Spirit. <laughs> daddy, why? They ask a lot of whys. Why do people do so, 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 so? Why does so, so, so? And at times I have no answer, man. And at times my wife asks me a lot of questions. And I'm looking. How do you, how do you expect me to know? I said, no, honey. But why, why do people hate? Why? Okay, maybe I can answer that one a bit. I can tell you they walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. But when you are now saying specific individuals, why do they hate? I, I, I don't have the details. Or somebody died. Okay, so she was asking me about a particular man of God. You know, great man that died many, many years ago. We stumbled on one of his videos. She played it on her, on her phone. And I said, ah, is that Papa Sosa? And she said, yes. And the next question, my wife asked me, but why did that man die? Like that. <laughs> I am not the Holy Spirit. Are you already excited about the Holy Spirit? So I'm whetting your appetite against next year. The next couple of minutes, let's wrap up the gift of prophecy. And this is what I'm going to do in doing a recap. I'm going to tell you again that the gift of prophecy is not the same as Standing in the office of a prophet. The gift of prophecy is for three things. For edification, exhortation, and comfort. You find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 2 and 3. Oh, that's our text. I'm sorry about that. Chapter 14, actually. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But rather that you may prophesy. Why did Paul tell us to prophesy? Because it's good to prophesy. And every Christian should prophesy. Every Christian can prophesy. If every Christian cannot prophesy, God would not have written that in the Bible. Can I have an amen to that? Verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. For no man understandeth him, albeit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Verse 3. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men. For edification and exhortation and comfort. Edification is to build up like Jude verse 20. But you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray long enough in the Holy Ghost, you are building yourself. It's like charging your battery, the battery of your phone. The Jews use that word. They say my phone, my battery is low. I want to build my battery. We say I want to charge my phone. So when you lock yourself in with God and you are not edifying the church, you are edifying yourself. If I teach for one hour in tongues, that does not profit you anything. But guess what? It blesses me. It edifies me. So, he that prophesied speaks to men. Paul said it's better for you to prophesy. 
It's good to speak in tongues, but better to prophesy. Why? In fact, what is prophecy? It is diverse kind of tongues plus interpretation of tongues will be equal to prophecy. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Prophecy is when you give an inspired speech, inspired utterance in a known tongue, in a known language. You give an inspired utterance in a known language. It's not ordinary. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. But then it is delivered in a language people understand. The last three set of gifts. Number one, the gift of prophecy. Number two, diverse kind of tongues. Number three, interpretation of tongues. If you take the last two in that set, diverse kind of tongues plus interpretation of tongues, it will equal to prophecy. In other words, if we're having a service now and then maybe worship is ongoing and a sister comes up and gets the mic. The Lord is saying to me tonight to say to someone here, I know what you are going through and I'm with you right there and I'm holding you by the right hand of my righteousness. Tomorrow about this time, you will rejoice and be glad because I'm walking in this situation with you. You are not alone and I want you to know it is well with you and you are not alone. Now, you have given a message in a known language. Is that clear? At least when you hear you are not alone, you understand that. I'm with you, I'm upholding you by my right hand. You understand that. But it was coming from the Spirit. That's prophecy. Inspired, but then delivered in a language that is understood. Amen. I drop the mic and I go to sit down. That's not prophecy. That could be diverse kind of tongues. When you talk about diverse kind of tongues, it sounds very spiritual. Diverse means different. Different kinds of tongues. In fact, I think it's in verse 28 of that scripture. Paul calls it uh, uh, different kinds of tongues. First uh, Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12 and verse 28. He calls it diversities of tongues. He said, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, second really prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps government, diversities of tongues. The gift of diverse kind of tongues, when you, it's a manifestation of different tongues that are not known to the speaker and not always understood, not necessarily understood by the hearers. Different kinds of tongues. Could be different languages, but the one speaking them does not understand. And is not always known to the hearers. In some cases, the Holy Spirit will arrange it, like what happened on the day of Pentecost, that the hearers heard 
in their own dialect. But the people that were speaking, they didn't know what they were speaking. They didn't know that language. They didn't learn it. If you go to French school now, Alliance Francaise, and then you, you come to a service and you grab the mic and you say, Bonjour, bon après-midi. Oh, la date aujourd'hui. La date aujourd'hui, bonjour, le 1943. Quel est-il? Oh, la vie est belle. La vie, la vie est belle. Toujours, toujours belle. You just went to French school and you are displaying your French ability. Now, because we don't speak French, you are using that as speaking in tongues. You are wasting your time. That's not diverse kind of tongues. Or you, you know a bit of German and you say, oh, 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 oh. Guten Morgen. Wie geht es geht mir gut? Oh, ich liebe euch. Ich liebe euch. Ich liebe dich. Ich liebe euch. Now you are speaking German. Now, can you speak German in speaking in tongues? Yes. But it will not be known to you that that's what you are speaking. Are you getting what I'm saying? You won't even know what you're saying. But it could be a sign to somebody in the congregation. Like God wants to get a message across to them. And you are, you are preaching in English and all of a sudden the tongue wells up from your spirit. And, and you give a message in tongue. Thank you Jesus. You might have spoken to one, two, three people in the congregation. That has happened again and again. People have walked up to certain preachers to say, you spoke the exact dialect and accent of my village in China. And the man has never been to China all his life. He said, and you spoke it so perfectly well. It's like a white man speaking my language. I'm from Iburupa, Koko, in Nondo State, Nigeria. And a white man from Britain is... Preaching and all of a sudden stops and says, and when you are late, Osa, yeah, and it's gonna catch my attention. If there are people from my hometown and they hear, and when you, that's the way we greet, just general greeting, and when you say, ah. What? White man? And after the service, I'm going to walk up to him and say, Have you ever been to a Burupakoko in Nondo State? A what? I don't know where that is. Never been to Africa. This is my first time in Africa. Oh, really? You just spoke in my dialect. I'm sorry. I don't know. I never knew that. Hey! That's the Holy Ghost. Are you with me tonight? He made that happen on the day of Pentecost. We don't have time to read that. I'm excited about the teaching on the Holy Spirit. Don't worry. Come January, za, 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 za. We're going to be on fire. Amen? And we're going to take that year by the storm. And we're going to walk in the Spirit. And we're going to operate on the wings of the Spirit. One hand, the fruit of the Spirit. The other hand, the gift of the Spirit. And 
Boom! Everywhere we go, the Spirit manifests through us. Can I have an amen? We are going to live by the Spirit. Nobody lives by the Spirit and gets it wrong in life. You can never get it wrong. If a wrong man wants to marry you as a lady and you are living by the Spirit, you are walking in the Spirit, it won't work. Something in you will tell you, the Holy Ghost in you will not give you peace. Say, mm -mm, if you walk by the Spirit and you want to put your money in a wrong business and that business will chop your money, you will lose your money. The Holy Ghost in you will not allow. Let me go and pray about this. When you have that restraint, hey, fight here, you better run. Are you with me? And for some other people, for some other businesses, it might just give you peace, like a river that you can explain. You just can explain. The guy doesn't have money, but I don't know. I just have peace. But this other one that has everything, every time he's around, I'm, I'm feeling some trepidation. I'm just feeling uneasy around him. This job offers me more money, but every time I want to reply their email, my heart is keeping a beat. But this other job offers less money, but I'm at peace. He's leading you forth by peace. Thou shalt go out with joy and the land with peace. Amen. In closing, the gift of prophecy does three things. We read it earlier. Edification, to build up. Exhortation, meaning to draw nearer to God. When you are exhorted, when an exhortation goes out, it draws you nearer to God. Okay? Then, comfort. Those are the things, the three things that the simple gift of prophecy does. So, when you prophesy, those three things should happen. However, being a prophet is on a higher order than that. If you are functioning as a prophet, you will have other revelation gifts in addition to prophecy. It won't just be the gift of prophecy. Everybody can prophesy. Everybody should prophesy. Are you with me? Paul said we all should prophesy. He said you don't do much for the church if you speak in tongues and you don't, you don't, you don't prophesy. Because your speaking in tongues only edifies you. Are you with me? It does not edify the church. It doesn't bless the church. But it edifies you. That's why he even said that when, look, the gift of prophecy is also for your blessing. He said when you pray, you should actually tell God to help you to prophesy. He said you should pray that you may prophesy. Looking for that verse now. Yeah, verse 5. He said, I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive a defying. When you interpret your prayer, the prayer you pray in tongues, you also edify yourself. Because that is prophecy. And prophecy, one of the purposes of prophecy is edification. Amen? So, when you want to pray, you can say, Lord, I'm going to pray. Spend one hour praying in tongues now. And I worship you and I bless your name. And Lord, I pray that I may, profess, that I may interpret. Did you get what I said? I want to pray in the spirit. But I'm adding, Lord, I pray that I may interpret. Especially when you need direction. You don't know 
a particular decision to take. You want to take a decision, you don't know which way. Lord, I pray that I may interpret. Help me to interpret. Guess what? The interpretation will well up from your spirit. That was how a friend of mine got their, the first place where they built their church in America. Said he himself and his wife were praying in tongues and praying the Holy Ghost and praying the Holy Ghost and they prayed, prayed, prayed and they got to a point and he heard himself singing and our church shall be on Dominion Boulevard and our church shall be on Dominion Boulevard and our church shall be on Dominion Boulevard and our church shall be on Dominion Boulevard. And so they searched their map, Google map, you know this is America and they found a place, a street called Dominion Boulevard and they located it and they found the property there and they started their church there. These things are real. The Holy Spirit is real. Is he real? Is he interested in your life? Why do we toil so much and hustle so much and struggle so much? Because we don't lean on him. We don't trust him enough to provide guidance. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, and you listen for his voice, and you tell him you want to be able to interpret, interpretation will come to you. Amen. So, when you operate in the simple gift of prophecy, your prophecy will edify, will exhort, and will comfort. But as a prophet, yes, you prophesy, but you bring revelation. And revelation might be far, far, far from edification, comfort, and exhortation. You remember, we're not reading this, Act of the Apostles, write it down, chapter 21, from verse 1 to 8. I'll paraphrase to you what is there. So, they were with Paul, and a particular, they were in the house of one man. Did I get that right? 21? Please, I must quote that right, oh, because I said you should go and read it when you get home. Just permit me, let me get it right. Is it 12 or 21? They were in the house of Philip. Aha, those were of Paul's company, yeah. Okay, 21, actually from verse 8, it's still the same 21. Actually from verse 8, I said from 1 to 8. It's actually from 8, 8 all the way to maybe 16 or so. Write it down. Uh, 8 to 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Well, you could stop. Yeah, stop at 14, actually. But write it down. You can read it when you get home. The long and short of it is that Paul was in the house of a, uh, Philip the Evangelist who had four daughters that were virgins. And the four daughters prophesied. They had the gift of prophecy. How did Paul know? And the other people that were with Paul, how did they know that the ladies had the gift of prophecy? Because there was a church in their house and the ladies prophesied in every service or in the services. They prophesied. When I say they prophesied, what do I mean? They gave words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. They built the church 
They drew the church nearer to God and they comforted the church. Simple gift of prophecy. But one day, a prophet came by the name Agabus. When he entered the house, he didn't even talk to them. He just went straight and picked the girdle of a man and used that girdle to bind his own hands and legs. And it was the girdle of Paul. You know, like the belt. He used that to bind himself. And he said, Thus shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and they will hand him over to the Gentiles. He said, Thus said the Holy Spirit. Can you give me that verse? He quoted the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's it. And when he was coming to the house, he took Paul's ghetto and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus said the Holy Ghost. This guy knew what he was saying. He put the name of the Holy Ghost there. So shall, yeah, media please. No. You've skipped something. Thus said the Holy Ghost. So, uh-huh. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Mm -mm. So, uh -huh, you got it now. So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owns this ghetto and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Is there any comfort in that? Now, come on, talk to me, church. Is there any comfort in that? Any exhortation in that? Any edification in that? No. They say they will bind you and hand you over to the unbelievers. <laughs> you know what you say? God forbid! I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. But the guy, through the gift of prophecy, operated the word of wisdom. This was, this was what was going to happen. The word of knowledge is connected to the past or the present. The word of wisdom is connected to the future. This is going to happen. They are going to do this. And when the men there heard what he said, they began to beg Paul. Bro, Paul, please don't go. See the way he bound himself. Agabus is a prophet. He's not a commercial prophet. He's not like the Nigerian prophet that will tell you this person is, is going to win the presidential election. And come 2023, it's someone else that will win. And they say, oh, you know, certain things normally happen in the realm of the spirit that a prophecy can be overturned. Thank you. Agabus was on point. Then they began to beg Paul. Paul said, why are you doing all this and you are breaking my heart? I'm ready to go and die for the cause of the gospel. So he wasn't shaken by that. What made the difference between Agabus and the four virgin daughters of Philip the Evangelist? The four daughters of Philip operated the simple gift of prophecy. Agabus stood in the office of a prophet. That's on a higher level. The four daughters did not see that thing that was going to happen. It was not revealed to them. So they comforted the church. They edified the church. They exhorted the church. But when Agabus came, he said to them what was going to happen. So, in conclusion, when somebody stands in the office of a prophet, in addition to the gift of prophecy, because prophecy is the medium through which they operate, there must be revelation gifts, one or two revelation gifts. Either word of knowledge or word of wisdom 
or combination of word of wisdom and discerning of spirits, or word of knowledge and discerning of spirits, or word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Amen. Did you get that difference? Did you get the difference tonight? At least from the example of Agabus and the four daughters of Philip the Evangelist. Did you get the difference? Uh -huh. So, not everybody is a prophet, but every one of us can prophesy. In the New Testament, prophesying is foretelling, telling forth. In the old, it was foretelling, more of telling what was going to happen before it happened. Amen. Stand on your feet tonight, everybody. Have you been blessed? Have you been blessed? Okay, so this is Bible study. And I want you to please pick it up from there. When you get home, read the Bible, study, meditate on it.